tonight, we're, we're going to carry on. We're going to embark on the journey once again, picking back up. And really, Pastor Sam's been set a series for us. Uh, you know, a few weeks now, we've been speaking into this. But, but really, we're, we're speaking on the whole concept of free indeed. That we're called to live free. That God's design for our life is not the one of bondage or restriction, but it's a it's a life of freedom and abundance. That that restriction is is not God's the the bondage is not God's intent for our life. That that actually he, He's called us to live in this this life of great freedom. And, and really, in in John eight uh, verse thirty six is is kind of the scripture we find that that's really set this whole series up. And it says though so the Son sets you, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And I don't know about you, I've, I've sat there both encouraged, at times challenged, at times moved, at times wanting to get under my seat, and other times wanting to get on my knees in the altar call because God's been moving powerfully. And, and really, we, we see the scripture in John 8. 36, so if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. But if we back up a little bit, we also see in the book of John uh, another famous scripture on freedom. In John 8, 31, uh, just prior to this scripture, we find, we find Jesus saying this, to the, Jew, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There are two, two very, very famous scriptures on freedom. One, one, one's John 8, 36, and one's John 8, 32. One says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The other one, if the Son sets you free, you will be free. And Jesus is kind of going in on this whole freedom thing right now. He's, he's, he's really painting this picture of freedom. But what I want to look at tonight is not so much John, John 32 or John. I want to look at the middle. What, what happened between those two scriptures? Because this is what we find. It says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendant and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? Jesus replied, you very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now that slave has not, no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. You've got two incredible scriptures on freedom, but in the middle, you just, you just find this interesting passage of a, of a whole group of people just, 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 just willing to, to not admit there even is a need for freedom. And, and you find that, you find that the, the Jewish people, who, who do you say, what, what do you say we need freedom? We are Abraham's descendants. We, we have never been a slave to anyone. Now, I don't know if you know your Bible at all very well. That is a flat-out lie. There is, you just need to look for a moment in the history of the Jewish people to, re- I, we don't even have time to talk about how many times I've been in bondage, about how, how many people have ruled. In fact, at the very time they're saying this, they are under oppression from the Romans. So they're living in oppression and saying, what do you mean? We never been slaves to nobody. We could. I read up a commentary because I was like, this is a weird statement. And they're saying at a stretch, they think what they might be getting at is the reality that they have been oppressed, they have been exiled, 
but they never lost their culture. They never lost their identity. So they're standing on the fact that, no, we managed to remain strong through it all, so we have never been a slave. But Jesus is standing there saying, hey, I'm trying to offer you a glorious freedom, but your pride is causing you to misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm trying to offer you something here. I'm saying you can be truly free and you can be free indeed, but your, your pride in this moment is, is causing you to misinterpret my words because all they can do is deny the fact they even need it. Now, pride is an interesting thing, especially to talk about because anyone with it thinks they don't have it. That's a catch-22 here, is that we can be proud about not being proud. And, but the reality is, you look at the Jewish people, and Jesus is trying to put, put freedom on for offer, but they're, they're unwilling to even admit the fact they need it, and to the fact where they start to believe, who, who are you to say that, that we, we need freedom? I, I remember, um, I was 15 years old when I got my, my license, uh, and so I was 15 15th birthday, I got my learner's license. So 15 and a half, I got my restricted license. Uh, I grew up in a rural town, and I kind of was, we were living out of town on a, on a bit of a farm. Now, I had learned how to drive, but I'd learned nothing about cars. I just wasn't one of those cars dudes growing up. Uh, so I learned how to make the car go forward, uh, but I hadn't learned anything about it. Uh, and so I get in the car one morning. Uh, back, back then, I used to do a bit of swimming, uh, and so I had to be at school early to go, go, go and do swimming. Anyway, I, I get up in the morning. It's about 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm a long way from that, from swimming nowadays. Anyway, I get up about 6 o'clock, and uh, I get in the car, and I go to, go to drive. And uh, I, I notice the car is making, a, like, it's making a funny noise. Like, it's just not quite right. Like, it's not terribly wrong, but it's not quite right either. And, and, and it's making a bit, and, and it's kind of shaking a little. But in my mind, I'm like, but it's going forward. So, like, the object of this whole thing is to get me forward. And the car might be a little noisier, and it might be rattling a bit more than it should be, but we're still going forward, so we should be good. And so I legit just carry on, like, nothing's, nothing's wrong, because we're going forward. I can put up with the rattles. Uh, and, and I get down the, 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 the road, and next minute I see a farmer uh, jumps off his motorbike and comes running to the paddock edge and jumps up on the fence and starts shaking his arms. Now, where I grew up in a rural community, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not abnormal to see a farmer going a little crazy. <laughs> and so I'm driving down the road. I look across, he's standing there shaking his arms like a crazy man, uh, trying to flag me down. Now, in my mind, I'm 15 and a half trying to deal with all the life's issues that come to a 15 and a half year old. And so I'm driving, and I'm just like, in my mind, I know there's something wrong with the car. He clearly knows there's something wrong with the car, but I'm like, let's just act like there's nothing wrong with the car. <laughs> and I just drive straight past, because in my mind, I'm like, I gotta either admit something's wrong with the car, or I gotta admit he's a crazy man. And for me right now, it's a little easier to admit he's a crazy man than there's something wrong with the car. So I'm just gonna pretend like something's wrong with him and not me. And so I just drive on past and give him a look like, dude, what's wrong with you? Anyway, I get down around the corner, the noise gets real bad. Like, it gets real bad. Like, now it's starting to, like, scrape, and I, I look out the side, and there's a spark flying. I'm like, okay, I better, I better check this out. As I pull the car over, I walk around the back and realize that I had a punctured tire. I had driven so long that now I was rolling on the rim. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the longer I went, 
the more damage that was created. Uh, and, and the reason I, I tell you this story is because, because even sometimes I think when it comes to life, it's like there's stuff going on in our world, like our world makes some noises it shouldn't make. You know, like some stuff comes out of our mouth and we're like, yeah, probably shouldn't be saying that. Uh, there, there, there's noises that it shouldn't make or, or sometimes it's, it's moving in a way it, it probably shouldn't be moving. And we're like, but, but overall, I'm going forward. Like, like there's some noises and some rattles, but, but I'm still going forward. And then there's some people in our world that come up to the fence of our life and start shaking their hands like, hey, there's some stuff you should stop and look at. But where sometimes it's a lot easier to admit, no, they're just a little bit crazy and there's nothing wrong with me. Like, they got the problem, not me. And it comes about, that's like these, these Jewish people are doing right here. Jesus is trying to be like, hey, hey, there's some stuff we got to sort. There's some sin and you become a slave to sin. But the good news is who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so Jesus on the fence like, hey, I'm going to help you get to where you want to go better, faster, in a more glorious way. And I'm like, hey, there's something wrong with that dude. Who does he think he's telling us? We ain't been slave to nobody. But the longer you drive, the more damage you do. The longer you drive, the more damn. There, there's, there's, a, there's a passage in Luke 9 I want to I read to us tonight. It's an encounter of three guys who, who encounter Jesus. And this is what it says in, in Luke 9, verse 57. We'll jump in there. It says, as, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you. But first let me go back to and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom. Now this is a really harsh, harsh passage of scripture if you don't understand what Jesus is doing. The first guy, he's like, Jesus, hey, the guy comes up to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus looks back and says, hey, foxes don't have, foxes have dens, but the Son of Man's got nowhere to, he's talking to his first man. And really what I believe Jesus is trying to push in on this man is it's like, hey, you got to understand wherever sometimes means it's not going to look how you think it's going to look. And sometimes wherever also means you got to follow me through trouble. Sometimes you got to follow me through storms. Sometimes you got to follow. And he's saying, hey, you got to realize the Son of Man has nowhere to hold his hair, lay his head. And you got to understand that. And why you're still consumed with the stuff, why you're still consumed with the stuff in your world, you got to struggle to follow me. Before you start following me, realize, realize you got to be prepared to lay everything down. But he's like, I'll go wherever. She's like, yeah, but you got to learn to lay things down. And then he goes on to the next man who goes, let me go bury my father. Now, Jesus isn't being, uh, the commentary says, Jesus more than likely is not just being rude. He's, it's not like he's literally burying his father in that, in that weekend. What he's saying is, is really Jewish culture is what would happen is for the oldest son to inherit. The oldest son uh, would inherit everything from the father. But the only condition was is that when the father passed away, the oldest son had to be at home. If the oldest son wasn't at home, it would get passed on to somebody else. 
And, and, and so Jesus, this guy's like, follow me. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, hold on. I, I, like, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I've also got a plan. And when my plan comes off, I'll go in for your plan. But, but I just got to work my plan, and then I'll work your plan, Lord. And Lord, hey, hey you, you got to let it go. You got to let go of your plan if you want to follow me. Then he moves on to the last guy, and last guy is like, "Hey, hey, just let me go home and and sort out my my my, my family. Let me go, let me go, let me go home and sort out my affairs." What what a lot of commentary uh, uh, that I read on this was suggesting what he was doing was he was wanting to go home and get permission. He was he was still looking for permission from other people in order to follow Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, hey, this ain't about other people. This is about me and you. And there's sometimes in our, in our walk with Jesus, we're still looking for the permission of other people to give us permission to go all in for Jesus. Like I wanna do this Jesus thing as long as everyone else is still all good with me. Like, Jesus, I want to come with you, but as long as, as long as coming with you still means these guys are still good with me. And, and Jesus said, until you let go of that, you can't follow me. So Jesus, each one of these guys, Jesus is saying, hey, hey, in order for you to follow me, there is some stuff in your world we need to sort out. There's some things in your world we know, in order for you to follow me, because if you go any further in your relationship, if you go any further on this journey with faith without sorting these things out, there's damage that's going to be done. And so let's change the tire here before we need to replace the whole rim here. Let's get some air here before we need to admit you into the mechanics here. And it's a bit like that in our life. Jesus speaking into these guys. Just say, hey, here's the areas in your world. I don't know about you, but even over this freedom series, it's like God's been like, hey, here's the areas in your world. For these guys, one of them was staff. For one of them was his own plans. One of them was the people in his world. I don't know what your area is, but Jesus is like, hey, for you to follow me further, let's talk about these areas. But do you know what, what really gets me about the Scripture it's not by what's said in the Scripture, but by what's not said in the Scripture. Because the Scripture just ends there. And nowhere in that passage do you see these disciples go back to Jesus. They're like, man, can, can you help me? Like, I realize, like, Jesus, I want you. Like, you, all you see is, is Jesus speaking to their world, and then they just walk off. They just go silent. They just go, okay, I, I'm not willing to admit the issues with me. Jesus, there's an issue with you. I'm good. Jesus, what's up with you? And there's an inability to admit it in themselves, and so their journey stops right there. Nowhere in this passage do you see people that are willing to just stop and say, oh, Jesus, I understand there's some areas. Like, it's not a surprise that Jesus is confronting them. It's not a surprise that there's areas in your life that need confronting. We were born in sin, raised in sin. Jesus saved us from sin, but now he's delivering us from the power of sin. And on that journey, there's going to be some areas of confrontation. And it's not an issue that Jesus is confronting you. What the issue is, is when you're not prepared to admit it. 
when you're not prepared to admit what Jesus is trying to confront, but the only reason Jesus is ever trying to correct something in your life is to help you go further faster. He's just saying, let's just change the tire here so you can go further faster. If you don't, your li- I know what's going to happen a kilometer down the road. Uh, your life is not going to end up how you think it's going to end up. Let Jesus will only confront you, never to condemn you, only to free you. Only to free you. If Jesus stirs something in your life, the only reason he's doing it is because he's going after the best future possible for your life. Uh, It takes a person that's willing to say, I'm prepared to admit I need attendance in my world. That it might not be other people's fault. In my situation right now, it might not be the universe's fault. It might not be global warming. Yeah, it might be something, it might, it might not be the church. Yeah, it might possibly be, be me that need, need, need some tendons. You see, pride is, pride, I've come to believe that is one of the enemy's most favorite footstools to take territory into your life. That pride gives him room to move. Proverbs 16 is a famous scripture around pride. A lot of people quote it like this, pride goes before fall. But that's not actually what Proverbs 16 Verse 18 actually says, what it actually says is pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That actually pride doesn't just go before a fall, it actually goes before destruction. And so it's so important because what's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy your world, your future. So if we can attend to this area of pride. It removes a footstool in our life for the enemy to bring destruction. I don't know about you, I want everything Christ has for me. But there's three ways I'll quickly want to look at tonight, just three ways that pride can show up in our world. First way it can kind of show up in our world is through trusting in our own strength. God's called us to be strong. He talks to Joshua, be strong and courageous. You know, in Ephesians, he, even, he commands us, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. God's design for us is to stand strong, but not in our strength. His design for us is to stand strong in his strength, to stand strong in his way and to stand strong in who he is. God never, never expects us to be able to outwork anything he calls us to do in our own strength. God has always called us, designed us, the way he created us was to rely, to depend, to wholeheartedly be submitted to him. And then that's where we find our strength. But, you know, I, I've been youth pastor now for, uh, I think it's over 10 years now. I've been, I've, been, <laughs> I've been involved in youth pastor. I was previously in a regional campus for equippers and then now in the Over that time, I've bought a lot of McDonald's. Um, that's really what all that does for you. Uh, and I've got a, you know, a, a number of, of young people, leaders, Maccas in my lifetime. Uh, and the one thing I've come to realize on quite a common, on common denominator is uh, there's often young people, even sometimes you take leaders out uh, for a feed, is, is you, you're hungry, they're hungry, you know they're hungry, you also know they've got no money. And, and you're standing in line, and you turn to them. You're like, hey, you want anything to eat? Like, no, I'm good. Are you hungry? No, no, I'm good. I'm like, I know you're hungry. You know I'm hungry, but we know, both know you're broke. <laughs> I'm going to buy you something here. 
And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. They'd rather go hungry than admit they need help. They'd rather go, and I think that's sometimes like us. Like I'd rather, I'd rather struggle in my own world than admit to somebody around me I need help. I feel like there's times all of us have got ourselves in that situation. Right now, there's areas in your life that you struggle in, but you'd rather embrace the pain of the struggle than the awkwardness of finding freedom. The awkwardness of saying, hey, I just need a little bit of help right now. Because sometimes it just for some weird reason feels a little bit easier just to go, what do you mean we're in slavery? We don't, we've never been in slavery. I'm all good. What do you mean I'm hungry? I, I'm, I'm good. I ate yesterday. We good. And, all the t- and then you're eating your meal and they're sitting across the table looking at you. And you're like, I knew you were hungry because there's dribble going down their cheek. And, and, the real- and, and it's sometimes like God with us. God's like, I know you've got issues. You know you've got issues. Let's just all admit right now there's stuff going on and you need my help. But sometimes we'd rather, we'd rather embrace. Why? Because that, that sense of I just want to trust in myself. Like, oh, 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 I just need to grip this out for a little bit longer because I'll get it right. Like, I'll just push through because I know, I know I'll get there eventually. The danger is that is because when we become good at that, because God has actually given you gifts and talents. And so there's some stuff you're actually good at. Surprise. Like, I'm not totally useless. Like, I can manage my world on my own, but I can manage a very small world. I cannot manage the world God's created me to live in. I can't, imagine, I can't manage the influence he's created me to live with, the call he's created me to outwork. I can't manage that in my own strength. And so what we do is we learn to, to self, become self-sufficient. But self-sufficiency develops a small world because your strength, although you are capable, you are only capable to a small degree compared to what God's called you to do. And this danger is we get stuck in a world of self-sufficiency, which empowers us to do something, but never empowers us to achieve the God dream. And this is ability to say, you know what? Uh, I need to learn what it means to just continually trust in God, to lean back into God's trust. The second thing, just for the sake of time, the second thing is trusting in our own righteousness. Pride shows up. Sometimes through the disguise of trusting in our own righteousness, I got saved at a six, as a 16-year-old, committed my life fully to Jesus. So I've been doing this thing for, for a little bit now, and I've learned some stuff. I, I don't make a lot of the mistakes I used to make. I, I don't do a lot of the stuff I used to do. I know a little bit more about Scripture now. I actually start to know some stuff, and the danger of knowing some stuff and becoming, I guess, a bit more righteous in the way I live, I think my righteous living causes me to be righteous. But that's not true. Only Christ justifies you fully before Christ. We are called to live righteously, that we do live righteously, but my righteous living doesn't make me righteous before the sight of God. But there's a danger of sometimes we get that out of balance because what happens is sometimes we then start to feel like we deserve it. Like, man, I've been on an E-team for a year now. I deserve the blessing of God. I've been packing in and out for two months. 
whose idea was this 3.30 service? <laughs> and I deserve the blessing of God. I am good and I serve and we become somewhere in our thinking almost like God now owes us because of how much we do for him. And we lose sight of the fact that reality is we are mere dust. We are nothing. We deserve eternity without God. But only by the glory of the cross do we even have the opportunity to serve God. And we lose sight and we start relying on our own righteousness because now we've been doing this for a while. We've forgotten what it was like when we first came to know Jesus. How hopeless, broken, messed up we really were. And now I've been doing some stuff, I feel like, you know what, I deserve this. We also then, you know, self-righteousness would also say that, you know, that inability to admit that you're wrong. You know, I'm right. It's the inability to admit that perhaps at times you, you might be wrong. It, it also comes through sometimes as the, 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 the feeling like I have the right to. I have the right to. That whole, that whole justifying ourselves, self-righteousness, it's like someone, someone might do wrong to us, and we're like, you know what, I've got the right to get them back. No, no you don't. But Jesus can hang on a cross and say, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. But sometimes, like, things come our way, and people hurt us, and people might, it's like people say stuff about us, and we're like, you know what, I've got the right to be angry at them. No, it's because you're lost sight. The fact that how good Jesus is to you. And when I came to know Jesus, I gave up my rights. And so although I could justify the fact I have a right, I give up my rights. And so I say, you know what? They might be saying that about me. They might be doing that to me. But all I have the right to do is to bless them, to thank them, to encourage them, and carry on with Jesus. That's really all I have the right to do. Because of what Christ done for me in the last way, probably sin, uh, pride can show up is, is when we trust Trust in our own wisdom. We think we're a bit smarter than what we really are. God knows the beginning from the end. The end from the beginning. God knows how this whole thing plans out. And then there's sometimes when God touches on our life and he's like, hey, you need to do this. And then we manage to reason away to God why that's a bad idea. God, you do not realize I don't have the money for that. I don't have the time for that. I don't have the personality for that. It's like that's what Moses was saying to God. I, I don't have the personality for that role. I can't speak properly. It's like who are you to tell God what you can and can't do? He created you. He destined, but sometimes we, we, we choose in our own wisdom to try, to try, and, try and almost, almost like we, we try and out-reason God. And pride can be showing up in that way. We start to trust in our own reason over revelation from God. But we need to be people. Pride will cause us to justify ourselves where we're at. Pride will cause us to stand in our own strength. But the scripture, the story I want to end on is this, this, this moment in Matthew. Because here's what you got to understand about pride is, is really probably the root of all sins stems itself back to pride. But the good, here's the deal. Pride is the problem. But the good news is humility is the answer. See, pride stops you from receiving, but humility enables you to take hold of. See, what you got to understand about 
the enemy and how he works. It was pride. It, it, the reason he was kicked out of heaven was the sin of pride. He tried to exalt himself higher than God. It was pride that caused him to be sent out. It was pride that caused him to lose his position in heaven. But here's the crazy thing. It was humility of Jesus that caused Jesus to gain his position. Pride caused him to lose it, but the humility of Jesus caused him to gain it. The, the scripture tells us that God, Christ humbled himself as the position of a slave. And as a result, God elevated him. Pride causes you to lose out. Humility causes you to take hold off. There's a moment in Matthew 8 when a centurion man comes before Jesus. He says this, he says, asking him for help, Lord. This is what he says, Lord. A centurion man was a Roman officer. Roman officers at the time were oppressing the Jewish people. Jesus was a Jewish carpenter who wasn't even looked upon as many Jews to be a man worth following. But a, a Roman officer who has status, who has rights in society, who has standing, comes before a Jewish, a Jewish carpenter on his knees and says, Lord, for a Roman to say, Lord, he's acknowledging the authority and the deity of Jesus. Everyone would have been standing and watching. What's a Roman doing? Bowing to a Jewish man. He says, Lord, my servant lies at home, paralyzed and suffering. Jesus said to them, shall I come and heal him? The centurion man replied, I do not deserve to have you under my roof, but just say the word and the servant shall be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, he goes. This one, come, he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to the, those following him, truly, I have found, I have not found anyone with such great faith in Israel. Truly nobody has shown me this such faith. He had met John the Baptist. He had rolled with the disciples, but nobody had faith like a Roman officer prepared to get on his knees and just humble himself and say, Lord, I need your help. Great faith is found and somebody with great humility. You want to grow your faith? Develop your humility because humility acknowledges who God is. Humility acknowledges your need for God. Humility acknowledges what God can do. Humility says, Jesus, I can't, but with you, I can. Humility unlocks great faith. Pride causes you to miss out. Humility causes you to take hold off. Take hold off. Why don't we all jump to our feet? Really, I just want the team to come. And we're going to worship. We're going to worship tonight. Worship is, is just such a such a great sign of humility. 
just say, God, I'm not worshiping you for any other reason than you deserve it. The reason I, what I want us to do though is I just want us to close our eyes and bow our heads. Really, maybe it's just sometimes a, a scary prayer to pray. But so often it's so good to sometimes just go search me, oh God. Identify in my heart any area you're wanting to confront. Because I understand if you're confronting it, it's for my freedom. It's so I can go further faster. And like these disciples, this inability to allow Jesus to speak into the things of their life that were holding them back, caused them to miss out on such a great journey with God. I don't know about you, I don't want to miss out on where God's trying to take me because I'm not willing to stop and admit what God needs to correct in me. I don't want to miss out on where God's trying to move me because I'm not willing to admit and stop and allow the voice of God to speak to me. Some of us, there's areas in your life and you're just like, I'd rather go hungry in my own world than admit not doing that well. Come on, right now, there's areas in your world and you just say, you know what, God, have your way, have your way, have your way. Lord, do what you need to do. Move in the way you need to move. Why don't you just lift your hands tonight? Jesus, we are here humbly before you. We are here humbly before you. Say, God, our life is yours. Lord, we so do not deserve you. We do not deserve your goodness. But we are so thankful that you freely give us salvation. Lord, your love abounds towards us. And so once again this afternoon, God, we say, Lord, search our life. We're an open book tonight, Jesus. Instruct us, lead us. Come on, team, we're going to lead us in worship. But as you do, just come on, allow God to minister into your world in this moment. Come on, perhaps there's areas of pride, and tonight you just got to go, you know what, I've got to lay this down. Maybe you've been too self-sufficient. You're just like, you know what, I've got to trust in God again. Come on, you've been reasoning away the plans of God, and you say, you know what, God, I'm going to choose to trust in your wisdom, not mine. Come on, any areas, you just got to submit it before God. Great faith is found with great humility.